to the supernatural. And uh, we know we're not there yet, but we'd like to get us, get each one of us ready and come to a place where we could uh, be a supernatural church and where the supernatural, the miracle working power of God can be made available through all of us. All right, I just realized, things, Marie, you wanted to share a testimony, sorry. There's too many different things here, come on. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Morning, church. I uh, just wanted to share a testimony that happened last Sunday. Uh, I've been suffering from asthma for many years, and sometimes it really used to get bad. And before last Sunday, there was hardly a night that I could sleep properly more than two hours without getting up with severe wheezing, and I was using the inhalers extensively. And over the past three weeks, it had started to affect me during the daytime, and I have a lot of work, and I used to really struggle a lot. And last Sunday, I was so tired when I came to church, and as pastor said, uh, he was led by the Lord to pray for all those with respiratory problems. And I raised my hand, and as pastor began to pray, I just started crying uncontrollably. And that day has been the last I've touched the inhalers. I have not used it during the day nor the night. And, and I don't even know what wheezing is anymore, and I give God all the glory. Thank you, Pastor. Yeah. Praise God. Praise, praise, praise the Lord. Thank you for sharing that testimony. It encourages all of us to know that God is working in our midst. Amen? And uh, uh, so as you were saying, uh, we really want to see every child of God in this house flowing in the supernatural and seeing the miracle-working power of God uh, manifested through their lives and just in everyday life, in the services and out on the streets. Amen? You know, God does come with you when you leave the service. You don't leave God behind and say, I'll see you next Sunday. No, He comes with you. And so you can expect the power of God. You can expect the supernatural working of God to take place wherever you go, even at home and, and school and college and in your place of work and so on. And uh, I remember Tina just shared a testimony there earlier this week, how she was uh, traveling in an auto uh, one particular day, I don't know if it was Monday, Tuesday, one of those days. And as she was in the auto, um, you know, she just felt like she had to speak to this uh, dri auto driver in Tamil and she wasn't sure like, whether this auto driver really knew Tamil or not. And uh, so she was trying to avoid it and then Finally, the auto driver stopped at a traffic signal. And uh, so she spoke to him in Tamil and said, do you know Tamil? He, re he replied, of course, saying yes. And then she had felt the Lord telling him, telling her that uh, this auto driver has several problems and, uh, and things like that. And so she began to tell him what the Lord was putting in her heart. And uh, this auto driver, you know, just broke down in tears right there. And she was able to let him know that there's a God in heaven who cares for him and uh, it knows him and, and it's mentioned Jesus to him. Amen? It's so simple, but it could be life-changing for somebody. Amen? So if you and I can just be open to God throughout the week and allow the supernatural to come forth, it doesn't have to uh, be so uh, unnerving. It doesn't have to be so uh, difficult for us. We allow the work, God to work through us. Lives can be touched throughout the week. Amen? We don't have to wait for a Sunday service for God to do something supernatural. Amen? So we've been talking about different things, about how to prepare for the supernatural, how to manifest His glory. And uh, last Sunday we talked about our mandate for miracles, the fact that we have been authorized 
and commanded by God to do the works of the Father here on earth. So we have a mandate to do the works of the Father. This morning, I want to talk about something else. I'm um, just uh, calling it the norms and exceptions in the supernatural. The norms and exceptions in the supernatural. I uh, shared a little bit about this uh, in um, our healing and deliverance conference we had a couple of we uh, several weeks ago along with Pastor Amos. And so I'm just kind of um, bringing this message to us as a church since many of us are not there. It'll be good for us to hear it. And just understand the norms and the exceptions in the supernatural. You know, God makes His ways known to us. God makes His ways known to us. Now, there are several scriptures on this, but for just as an example, Psalm 103 verse 7 says, God made His ways known to Moses. So He reveals His ways to us. He tells us, you know, this is the way I work. And for you and me, it means that we learn how God works and then grow in that. Develop ourselves in that. So that we can see more and more of God's working in our lives. So that we can experience more of His supernatural. So God has made His ways known to us. Amen. For, and uh, we can learn it and grow in it and see more and more of God's working. We would call that the norm. This is the way God normally works. But we all know that God is bigger than the Bible. Amen? Which means the Bible reveals God to us, but it's not all of God because God is bigger than the Bible. Amen? And so there will always be exceptions when God, because He is sovereign, He is, he is bigger than the ways He's revealed to us. He will do things out of the normal. We call them exceptions. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. The norms and the exceptions of the supernatural. How God normally reveals the supernatural through you and me. And then our openness to the exceptions. So that we do not fall on either side of the ditch. Sometimes we get so constrained by the norm. We get so saying, this is the only way God works. And then every time we say, God, this is the only way God works, He surprises us and says, I also do this. And then you kind of adjust the theology a little bit and you add that in and say, okay, now God only works like this. And again, God surprises us and says, well, I also do this. <laughs> so... The point here that I want to get across is, is while we learn the normal way in which God does the miraculous, we shouldn't allow the normal to limit us or restrict us. Amen? We learn the norm, we flow in the norm, we grow in the norm, but let that not be a limitation to us. And at the same time, just because we know that God always has exceptions, we shouldn't allow the exceptions to make us lazy. That means you don't want to press in along the normal path. You just wait for that special handout that God gives. We shouldn't allow the exceptions to make us spiritually lazy. We know the exceptions. We expect that. But we go down the way God has said that this is how I normally do things. We mustn't lower God's word down to our experience. We must raise our experience up. To the level of God's word. Amen. 
Many times we are very quick to adjust our theology to bring God's Word down to our experience. And in the end, we compromise the purity of His Word. But remember, let's leave the Word of God where it stands. Let's set the standards as high as the Word of God sets it. And let's gradually begin to lift our experience up to the level of the Word of God and say, if this is the Word of God, this is the standard, that's where I want to get to. Amen? So we don't change the Word of God. We change our experience to align up with the Word of God. I want to talk about five areas this morning. I'm just going to talk to you. There are several scriptures on these. Uh, it will be difficult to turn the Bible and look up all scriptures, but you can download this outline from our website. It will be up there uh, tomorrow, and you can get all the scriptures. So I'm just going to talk to you this morning. I want you to listen carefully. If you want to make some notes, you can make some quick notes. Um, there are five areas where I will share how God normally works the supernatural, and at the same time, for each one of these five areas, we'll talk about the exceptions so that we will be able to grow in the norm and at the same time be open to the exceptions. The first is the exercise of faith. The exercise of faith. This is normal. This is what God expects if we are to experience the supernatural work of God. Faith is an important factor in, in seeing the miraculous take place. Where there is more faith, there are going to be more healings and miracles. Amen. Where there's more faith, there are going to be more healings. You know, when people came to Jesus, He expected them to have faith. Several examples you find in the Bible. When the Roman centurion came to Jesus in Matthew 8 and verse 10, uh, Jesus said, you have great faith. Go, be it to you as you have believed. The paralyzed man who was brought to the house where Jesus was by his four friends. The Bible says Jesus saw their faith. Their faith got his attention and he brought healing to this man. The woman with an issue of blood. She had been having this issue of blood for 12 years and suffering a lot. And she came and touched Jesus and Jesus told her, Daughter, great is your faith. Be healed. Be made whole. Two blind men who came to Jesus. He said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said, yes, Lord. And he said, according to your faith, be it done for you. So like this, we find several examples where Jesus, the miraculous took place because of somebody having faith. Many times it was the recipient who came with faith. Amen. So faith is an environment where God releases miracles abundantly, liberally. Miracles begin to take place. And yet on the other hand, we also know that when there is unbelief, it hinders the power of God. In his own hometown, when Jesus went back to Capernaum, his own hometown, the Bible says in, both in Matthew 13, 58 and in Mark 6, 5 and 6, that in his own hometown, Jesus could not do many works, many miracles, because of their unbelief. So we could say that faith is essential to see the miracle working power of God. We must have faith to see God work miracles and healings. Amen. And I'm speaking very slowly, but don't fall asleep on me. Amen. It just sounds like a nice lullaby. And I go to sleep, go to sleep. I'm speaking slowly on purpose so that you could follow along with me. I could rush through this, but then it wouldn't do much good. So uh, don't let my monotonous voice just put you to sleep. Amen. Are you hungry for the supernatural? Yes. 
Amen? So keep awake and just let's learn this and see God work here this morning. So unbelief stops the flow of the power of God. So while faith is so essential to seeing the miraculous, both you as a minister, when you're praying for somebody, you need to have faith. The recipient needs to have faith. It's essential to see the miracle working power of God. Yet, while this is the norm, there are also exceptions. There are times when, you know, maybe you woke up that morning and, uh, um, uh, you, you know, you were so busy, you didn't have time to read your Bible, didn't have time to pray, you went, uh, showed up in the office and at lunch break, your friend says, you know, hey, my wife is really ill. I heard you go to all people's church. I heard they're teaching you about the supernatural. Can you come and pray? I said, oh God, I didn't read my Bible today. I didn't pray today. Uh, I feel my faith level is just slightly above zero. <laughs> now, I'm just barely making it by. And here's this man asking me to come and pray for a sick wife. And you get this bathroom kind of fear. You say, I just need to go to the restroom, you know. You just want to escape. You want to just disappear from that situation. So while you know the norm that God works miracles in response to faith, don't let that limit you. Because there are exceptions. You say, okay, I'll come and pray anyway. You know, think about this man at the pool of Bethesda in John 5. You know, Jesus comes to this man. He says, will you be made whole? Do you want to be well? It's just a one-word answer that's needed. What do you think he should have said? Let me hear you. You know, Jesus said, do you want to be made well? His answer is, I don't have anybody to put me in the water. I mean, just ask you a simple question. Do you want to be well? He should have just said, yes. That's it. But he's talking about, you know, he's trying to figure out how I'm going to be well. Should I get into the water, get out of the water? Who's going to put me there, etc., etc., etc. And, you know, if you just look at it carefully, you would say, you know, this man wasn't even expecting a miracle. He was no way expecting something miraculous. He was thinking about how he was going to get into the water. And Jesus tells him, rise, take your bed and walk. And he's healed. Amen. I don't think there was much faith on his part. Think about the demon-possessed boy. Uh, you know, the preachers that they had no faith. James, John, they couldn't cast the devil out. No faith. And uh, the boy's father, Jesus said, if you believe, all things are possible. And he said, Lord, I believe, but I also have some unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. So you don't know where he was. Whether he was believing or whether he was an unbelief. You know, Jesus could have walked out and said, man, you fast and pray and come back, you know. He didn't do that. The preachers had no faith. The boy's father had no faith. And yet, the boy was delivered. Exception. Amen. So, there are times when God would move supernaturally in spite of the little faith that may be present there in that situation, whether in the person ministering or the person receiving ministry, in spite of that, God would still move through the gifts of the workings of heal, gifts of healings and the workings of miracles and cause something to happen. 
Amen. So what lesson do we ca- can we take from that? It's this, the norm is faith must be there. So build up your faith, read the miracles, pray, build up your faith in God. Do your part. Let's do our part. Let's, faith comes by hearing the word. So let's get into the word. Let's understand the word. Let's put the word in our heart. Let's do our part of building up our faith. And yet, in moments when you feel like you have little faith or no faith, don't limit yourself. Step out. Pray. You don't lose anything. Amen. Through the gifts of, gift of healing or working miracles, God would just show up and something powerful could happen in that situation. Amen. The second key to the supernatural is the flow of compassion feeling compassion for people very important faith and compassion are probably the two important ingredients in seeing the supernatural take place compassion for people you know compassion is different from empathy or sympathy you know sympathy says I really feel sorry for you and I'm so glad I'm not in it that's sympathy. So, I, man, I just feel so sorry for you. But inside you say, man, and thank God I'm not there, you know. But what is compassion? Compassion says, you know, I feel so sorry for you. I'm willing to fast and pray. I'm willing to pray for five hours for you. I'm willing to, to just reach down to the innermost part of my spirit and pull out every amount of faith and power that I can to help Resolve the situation. That's compassion. Amen. Compassion always is demonstrated by some action. You do something. Now we're talking about miracles, you're talking about supernatural. So it has to be accompanied by some action that you would take to see the supernatural released. Otherwise, what we have is just some feelings of sympathy. And uh, Jesus demonstrated this to us. Whenever, almost every time he worked miracles, there was great compassion involved. Uh, Several examples. In Matthew 9, verse 36, the Bible says he saw the multitudes and he had compassion on the multitudes. In Matthew 14, 14, it says great multitudes came to him and he was moved with compassion and he healed them. In Mark 15, 32 and in Mark 8, verse 2, he saw these great multitudes. They were with them for three days. And then it says he was moved with compassion. He said, you know, let's give them something to eat. So even the miracle of multiplying the loaves and two fishes was birthed out of compassion for these people who had been sitting and listening to his sermon. Thank God we don't have such long sermons these days. You know, this is, okay, this is a joke, right? Don't, uh, don't get angry with me for that. All right. Uh, the blind men who came to Matthew 20 verse 34. Two blind men. Jesus moved with compassion. He healed them. The demon boy, the demon, demoniac was delivered. Matthew, Mark 5 and 19, he was delivered. Jesus said, go and tell what great compassion God has had on you. In Mark 6, 34, he, Jesus even taught out of great compassion. It says, when the people came to him, he was moved with compassion and he taught them many things. Even his teaching sprung out of a heart of compassion for people. And there are several examples of this. You know, Jesus standing in front of the tomb of Lazarus. He's been buried four days. And the Bible says that Jesus groaned inside him. I mean, there was a lot of emotion involved in this thing. It wasn't like, hey, I'm Jesus. Here I am. Devil, move up. 
Come out, Lazarus. It wasn't something uh, like that. There was emotion involved to the point where it says there in Mark, in John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept. And when people saw him, he said, "Man, he must have loved this man dearly." Amen. So this healing ministry and the ministry of the supernatural really is a ministry where there is a lot of emotional suffering involved. Because you feel for the people. It's not simply like, God, just anoint my hands and, you know. I mean, it's not like some routine, run-of-the-mill machine kind of thing you're doing for the people. There's a lot of emotion involved. That's why you, you spend that time in prayer. Why? Because in God, if I spend this time with you in prayer, when I stand before people, God, you'll do something for them. Amen. There's emotion. There's emotional suffering. That's the cross you're carrying. Jesus, take up your cross and follow me. It's not the stuff that you hang around your neck. It's these kind of emotional sufferings and things you go through, part of it, that, that where you, you engage in a compassion for people. Say, Lord, I'm praying for all those cancer people, God. God, bring me to that place where you can release the power so that cancers will go. Rather than us standing helpless and seeing victims go, we are willing to pray, pay the price of being in the presence of God, soaking His presence and soaking His anointing so that when we lay hands on people, it will no longer be empty hands on sick bodies, but it will be hands that release the power of God. Amen. So there's this emotional suffering in what compassion is in what? So Jesus showed that to us. And, in, and as much as we recognize this, we must also understand that there are exceptions. I mean, imagine like it's 8 o'clock in the evening. Or for those of you who work in the call center, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I mean, it's the end of your day. You're tired. You know, handing all those calls from this, you know, wherever, credit card, whatever you're doing. And handing all those calls, and you're so tired. You'll be put in a hard day's work. And you're just waiting to go home and, you know, just get some rest or something. At the end of the day, you know, you don't feel any amount of compassion. You're tired. And as you're just, you know, swiping your card just to leave the office, your friend says, hey, uh, so-and-so needs prayer. Or so-and-so needs you to come and pray for them. And I'm like, God. And where's Pastor Ash's mobile number, you know? So you're just, you're, you know, you're just trying to get, do something. God, I, I don't feel any amount of compassion. You're ready just to say a quick prayer to get out of the situation go home. Do a token prayer. Huh? And yet at that moment, you don't feel any compassion. You go to this person who's in need. You know inside you, you have no feeling of compassion. You're just kind of doing this because the friend asked you to do it. And you pray for that person, you minister to that person in the name of Jesus, and God shows up. Amen. The person's healed. You're wondering, like, God, I didn't have any compassion. Faith was minus five. And yet this person got healed. What's going on? It's the exception. Amen. So the point is this, that do not allow your lack 
of the feeling of compassion prevent you from stepping out? Go ahead. The norm is we must grow in compassion towards people. We must develop that. Grow in your compassion for the sick. Grow in your compassion for those in need. Grow in compassion for those who are tormented by demons. Say, God, Lord, I'm crying out for those people who are oppressed by demons. God, use me to bring deliverance to these people. I mean, they go around from place to place trying to find relief. But God, here we have the name of Jesus. We have the word of God. We have the anointed spirit. All God is waiting for is somebody who will press in and get ready, get anointed to go out and bring deliverance. So you're willing to do that because you have compassion for people. And yet, you know that there may be times when you don't feel anything and yet you step out because there are exceptions. Amen. I mean, think about some examples in the Bible. You know, this uh, woman, this Canaanite woman in Matthew 15, verses 21 to 28, who came to Jesus for her daughter who was troubled by demons. She comes to Jesus and just see this, try to imagine this in your mind. The preachers, the disciples of Jesus say, Master is too busy, please go. Don't disturb the Master. You know, they're trying to guard Jesus and trying to keep this woman away. There's no compassion there. And somehow she bypasses them. She comes to Jesus and you know what she hears from Jesus? Jesus says, I can't take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. Doesn't sound very compassionate, does it? I can't take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. To translate that, she, Jesus was saying, I can't take what belongs to the house of Israel and give it to the Gentiles because that time has not yet come doesn't sound very compassionate and yet she bows down and worships him and the, and the Bible says Jesus looks at her and says woman great is your faith and she gets a miracle think about the time in Matthew 21 verses 12 to 14 when Jesus goes into the temple the house of God and he sees all these people at the book table you know selling all the books and tapes and he sees them selling t-shirts and cups and all kinds of things. And he's, he turns all this around. Nothing wrong with that, okay? <laughs> he, he drives them out. He turns the tables over. And he says, how dare you make the house of God a den of thieves? Now try to picture this in your mind. Jesus wasn't going there and saying, oh, you know, I love you. But I need to turn this table over. I don't think he was doing that. I mean, if you took his blood pressure at that moment when he was doing this, if you checked his, uh, his state of aggressiveness, if there is such a thing as that, it would have broken the scales because the Bible says he was with a whip chasing them. The interesting thing is that the next verse says, the blind and the lame came to him and were healed. Just try to picture this in your mind. Here is Jesus in such a, you know, an aggressive, righteous anger mood. There isn't much compassion here. The next verse, people come and they're experiencing healing. The miracles of God. Amen. Now, the exceptions are no license for us to walk without compassion. We must grow in this. We must develop compassion. 
But at the same time, understand that there may be moments when you don't feel great, you don't feel compassion, yet don't let that limit you from a loving God to use you. Third area. A third important dimension or aspect to ministering the miraculous is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We talk about faith, we talk about compassion. The third thing is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You know, when Jesus ministered, he always ministered by the power of the Holy Spirit. The miracles he did, he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Several scriptures, this one, for example, Acts 10.38 says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. He did good. Healed all who were oppressed. Did all the miracles. The power of the Holy Spirit flowed out through his life. It says in Mark 5.30, when the woman touched him, power went out of him. Luke 6.19, multitudes touched him, power went out of him. The power of the Holy Spirit went out of him. Uh, when he preached, when he taught the word, Luke 5.17, the power of the Holy Spirit just enveloped the whole place. Amen. So the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit is an essential ingredient, if, uh, if you want to use that word, uh, to manifest, to demonstrate the supernatural. And you and I must be asking God for greater levels of anointing. Amen. We need greater anointing. The reason today cancers are not being healed. The reason today the cripples are not rising up and walking. The reason today the lame are not jumping and blind eyes are not opening is because there are not too many people pressing in and asking God, God, give me that kind of an anointing. When, when I lay hands on these people, things will happen. It's not that God doesn't want to do it. Somebody needs to touch that level and reach that anointing and say, God, release that, put that on my life. About Jesus, it said in John 3.34, that He had the Spirit without measure. He had the Spirit without measure. He walked in that anointing, and you and I can. We need to get there. We need to pray and press in. So we can carry that anointing in our lives, and such miracles will take place. Amen. So that's the norm. You and I must keep praying and asking God, Lord, increase your anointing on my life. Increase the manifestation of your Holy Spirit in our services. Increase it, Lord. We want greater measures of the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. We're not satisfied with where we are. And we're willing to pay the price. Because remember, new wine is put on new. All right, come on, let's say this together. New wine is put on into new. That means we must present a new wineskin if I want new wine. Amen. I can't give to God the old wine skin, the way I am, the way, uh, you know, whatever. I have to need prison a new wine skin. Something in me changes as I consecrate myself. Prison, new wine skin, new wine. New wine skin, new wine. So that's the norm. The anointing of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And yet, while that is the norm, there are exceptions. Think about that seven-year-old kid, or that eight-year-old child. Goes and lays hands on a cancer patient. You're saying, man, it's okay. Let that child pray. You know, wants to pray from APC Kids Church. You know. Let them pray. So the seven-year-old, eight-year-old said, Jesus, please heal. You're wondering. You're just waiting for them to move. You know, And the person's healed. 
Amen. So now you begin to question God, who was anointed? The sick person or the child? The child can't spell Holy Spirit correctly. Just kind of exaggerating a little bit here, but oh, uh, it's this one, just a little, little person, little child. What do they know about Holy Spirit? What do they know about the dimensions and levels of anointing and all of that? And yet this child prays and God heals. Amen. So there are exceptions. And there may be times when you don't feel the least bit anointed. You don't feel any anointing on you. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't step out and reach out for a miracle. Amen. Because while it is true that uh, the flow of the anointing causes the miracles, there are always exceptions. When you don't feel any anointing, you're just praying and God shows up and a miracle takes place. Whether it's healing or something else, God shows up. Amen. So the norm, we must grow in the anointing of the Spirit. But yet understand that sometimes God colors outside the lines. So don't let it limit you from stepping out and saying, God, I'm in this situation. Anointing, I don't feel anything. I have no time to sing how great thou art. Just making a little joke here. It's okay. Now, sometimes nobody laughs and then I get... It's okay. No time to, you know, call the choir and tell them to sing. No time for all that, but God, I don't feel any anointing. And yet, God, please do something. And God does show up. Amen. Four and five. Fourth one. In seeing the miraculous, in seeing the power of God, in seeing the supernatural, there is the important principle of the consecrated vessel. The consecrated vessel. The greater the consecration, the greater the manifestation of the anointing of God. The greater the fruitfulness that you're going to bear. Thank you. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 1 verse 8 and 9, talking about Jesus, it says, You hate righteousness, you, right you love righteousness, sorry, let me get this right. You love righteousness, you hate sin, therefore God has anointed you. Right. See the connection there. You love righteousness, hate sin, therefore God, even your God has anointed you with all of gladness, more than all your others, more than all the others. Hebrews 1, 8 and 9. So talking about Jesus, it says, you know, he loved righteousness, he hated sin, and therefore God anointed him more than the others. And the Bible tells us that you and I have to walk as Jesus walked, follow his steps. You know, First John 2 verse 6, it says, Anyone who says he abides in him must walk even as he walked. Walk the same walk. What was his walk? He loved righteousness, he hated sin. God anointed him more than the others. And God desires consecrated vessels. Second Timothy chapter 2 verses 19 to 21, the Bible says, you know, that anyone who names the name of Christ depart from sin. In a great house, there are all kinds of vessels. There are vessels of gold and silver, and there are vessels of earth, clay. Some for honor, some for dishonor. They're all in the same house. 
And then it continues there in 2 Timothy 2, 19, 21. It says, if any man will cleanse himself for whatever is impure, then he will be a vessel of honor, set apart for the master, and ready for every good use. So your readiness for every use is connected to your cleansing from every evil thing. Consecration results in greater usefulness to God. Amen. And Jesus put it this way in John 15. He said, you know, I'm the wine, you're the branches. Father is the gardener. Any branch in me, John 15, to any branch in me that does not bear fruit, he cuts it off. Any branch in me that bears fruit, fruit he purges it. Right? I'll put it in modern translation. He cleanses it even more. He prunes it so that it can bring forth more fruits. So pruning, cleansing leads to greater fruitfulness, meaning greater anointing that causes greater fruitfulness in life. Amen? So there is this whole principle of the consecrated vessel. The greater you're willing to consecrate yourself, the more fruitfulness you're going to see. The more you're willing to allow, allow the Father, the gardener, to clip out all the unnecessary things from your life and you become a consecrated vessel. Just looking to make sure it wasn't the... It's okay. I won't tell you what I was thinking. All right. The more you allow the Father to trim you, to get rid of all the unnecessary things, the greater fruitfulness, the greater anointing and the greater fruitfulness you're going to have. This is the norm. And so we must walk down this path of saying, God, anything that you need to prune, anything you need to cleanse, take it out so that I can bear more fruit. I want to see great anointing so that greater miracles can take place. And yet, there are exceptions. Here's this man. He's praying for a sick person. He said, man, I know who he is. He's the guy who's a chain smoker. At the moment he steps out of all people's church, before he goes out of the gate, he's already smoking. What right does he have to lay hands on somebody? I said, let me watch and see. Is that person going to heal? I can guarantee you, God will not work through him because he's smoking. And so you're seeing him pray. You're almost like, man, nothing's going to happen. He's a smoker. How can God use him? So he says, Father, in Jesus' name, heal. And you're watching very carefully. And then the person is healed. And now your theology is confused. <laughs> because you're only thinking about the norm. It's true. The norm is right. The norm is you love righteousness, you hate sin, God anoints you. And yet, there are times when God surprises you and me. Amen. When somebody said, man, I know, he just stole so much money from that bank. And today he's praying that God will prosper this other person. No way. It's not going to happen. And yet the person starts prospering. It's like, God, how did that happen, God? It's the exception. Amen. Now, the exception is not a reason for all of us to start smoking. <laughs> or the exception is not a reason for all of us to go rob a bank. Amen. 
let's walk down the normal, the norm. Follow the, what God has said in His Word. He said, you follow this. Go after this. But don't let the norm limit you. Example, before you left your home in the morning, you had a big argument with your roommate. Talking about the bachelors. Now he, you wanted dosa, he cooked toast and egg. And you had a big argument. A man, we agreed last night we're going to have dosa for breakfast. Why, what made you leave? What made you cook, you know, whatever. Just making this up here. So you had this big argument. And you go off to work so in upset about everything. And as soon as you arrive at work, you get this call. He's your dear friend from APC. He's saying, you know, hey, Joe, yeah, can you just uh, uh, pray for me, man? Man, I just got a real problem with my uh, uh, appendicitis, man. It's just hurting so bad. I'm saying, God, wrong time for him to call. I just had a terrible argument with my roommate. I just feel so bad. I don't feel any amount of, you know, righteousness. I feel so unworthy because, you know, I said all these wonderful things I should not have said. And here's this call saying, pray for me. The norm, walk in righteousness. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which any man can see the Lord. That's the norm. And yet you don't allow the norm to restrict you. She says, okay, let me pray for you. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that this person will be healed. And I ask that his pain will go. And I ask, that, you know, whatever. You just pray. And God shows up. Amen. So while we walk down the normal path, don't allow that to restrict you. Be open for God to surprise us. Be open for the exceptions. Amen. And then there is this, you know, this whole thing about those who've been in ministry for many years. They lived a good life. They started off well, but somewhere along the way, you know, they mess up. They get into all kinds of wrong things. And yet when they stand up and preach, wow, you can feel the presence of God. And they lay hands on the sick, the sick get healed. But you look at their life and say, God, I know that things aren't right. So I wonder, God, how is this happening? I know this preacher is not living a righteous life. I know he's doing all kinds of wrong things. And yet, God, when he preaches, things happen. What's happening, God? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans eleven twenty nine 29, that the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Amen. The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. God doesn't withdraw it right away. So here's a person, he may be you know, called and anointed by God, he may be in sin, and yet when he stands up and ministers, things are happening. That is not an indication of what he's doing is right. He's just telling us, the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. God's still using it. It's an exception. It's not the norm. The norm is God wants every one of us to be consecrated vessels to the Lord. Amen. The last one. In the ministry of the supernatural is dealing with sin in the recipient. So let's say you're going to pray for somebody. Maybe they're sick or maybe they need some other miracle. They're in a financial problem. They have a problem at home, whatever. 
you're about to minister to them. They come to you and say, please pray for me. I am in this situation. I need help. I know that Jesus answers prayer. Can you pray for me? The norm is this. The norm is that you deal with the sin in their lives, in their life. So that there is nothing hindering them from receiving the miracle. That's the norm. For example, you ask them, do you believe Jesus can heal you? Or if they're in sin, you tell them, you know, you need to get straight before God. That's the norm. You know, when um, they brought this crippled man to Jesus in the, as he was preaching in the house, they led him through the roof. What did Jesus say? He said, your sins are forgiven. First thing he dealt with was the sin. Your sins are forgiven. Then he said, take your bed and walk. He dealt with the, more, the most important thing first. Your sins are forgiven. Dealt with the sin issue. And then he worked the miracle. So you deal with the sin. That's the norm. You deal with the sin because something in their life could hinder them from receiving the miracle of God. So that's the norm. We say, do you believe in Jesus? Or if there's some sin in your life, let's get rid of it. Let's, you know, address it. Let's bring it before God. Let's make sure that there's nothing preventing you from receiving what God wants to give you. And yet there are times the exceptions happen where the miracle takes place first and then you deal with the sin. Think about the same man we talked about earlier um, at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus asked him, will you be made whole? And he was talking about getting into the water and Jesus just tells him, arise, take your bed and go. And he's healed. He gets up and he walks. People ask him, who made you well? He says, I don't know. Then later Jesus meets him and says, in John 5, 14, he says, Go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. So he gives him, he deals with his sin after healing him. He heals him and then he says, don't sin anymore, lest a worse thing come on you. Amen. And this is especially important when you're dealing with demonized cases. You need to tell them up front, listen, we can pray for you, you can be delivered, but if you don't cut off from whatever form of worship you have and follow Jesus only, you'll become worse. You just have to be up front, you tell them. Because they can get delivered, and if they go back, Jesus said, They'll be seven, at least seven times worse. Amen. Matthew 12. He said when a demon is cast out, it goes and finds all the other seven of the demons. He sees this house is clean, empty, ready, but nobody's occupying. Comes back. And this person is seven times worse than what he was before. So you've got to tell them straight. Listen, I, I'll pray for you. But there's a very important principle here. If you don't make a commitment to follow Jesus Christ, especially in a demonized case, you'll end up in a worse state. Got to deal with it. Amen. So the norm is we deal with the sin first. So that there's nothing hindering them from receiving from God. And yet be open. That sometimes you just pray. Say, God, I know this person. He doesn't know ABC about Jesus. He doesn't know anything about faith. 
He knows nothing about the cross. Nothing. God, do a miracle for him. And when he experiences a miracle, then you say, okay, first thing you need to do, believe in Jesus Christ. He's the one who did this for you. You're dealing with the sin issue now. Getting sin out of the way. So their relationship with God is made right. And they can follow Jesus. Amen? So the norm and the exceptions and deal in the supernatural. We talked about five areas. The exercise of faith. We must grow in our faith as ministers of God. Believe that, you know, just build your faith up. Read the miracles of Jesus. Meditate on the miracles of Jesus. Hear the testimonies of people being healed from all kinds of things. Uh, get along people. Get around people who have faith. Uh, uh, follow the supernatural. Be around in that kind of an environment. Build your faith up. Be ready at all times. With faith in God. And yet, in moments when you don't feel any faith, step out. Don't let the norm limit you. The flow of compassion, grow in compassion towards the sick, grow in compassion towards the hurting, the demonized. And yet, in moments when you don't feel very compassionate, don't let things limit you. Step out. God can show up. Same thing with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We must grow in the anointing of the Spirit of God on our lives. But even when you don't feel the presence of the Spirit, step out. Consecration. The more we allow God to prune us, it's just going to lead us to greater fruitfulness. And yet don't limit yourself by where you are today. You say, God, I know there are issues in my life. That's okay. Everybody's got one or more. Let God work. Amen. Keep growing in your level of consecration to God. And dealing with sin in the recipient. Whenever possible, deal with it. But there will be times when you don't have time, when you just don't have the opportunity to address that, but just go ahead, let God do the work, let God minister, and then deal. When, they, when you've got their attention, then deal with it. Amen? Let's take some time to pray right now and just believe God to show up here this morning.